Chapter Seven of Ten Days That Shook the World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Benson. Ten Days That Shook the World by John Reed. Chapter Seven The Revolutionary Front. Saturday, November 10th. Citizens, the Military Revolutionary Committee declares that it will not tolerate any violation of revolutionary order. Theft, brigandage, assaults and attempts at massacre will be severely punished. Following the example of the Paris Commune, the Committee will destroy without mercy any looter or instigator of disorder. Quietly the city. Not a robbery, not even a drunken fight. By night armed patrols went through the silent streets and on the corners soldiers and red guards squatted around little fires, laughing and singing. In the daytime, great crowds gathered on the sidewalks. Citizens stopped each other on the street. The Cossacks are coming? No. What's the latest? I don't know anything. Where's Kerensky? They say only eight versts from Petrograd. Is it true that the Bolsheviki have fled to the battleship Avrora? They say so. Only the walls screamed, and the few newspapers. Denunciation, appeal, decree. An enormous poster carried the hysterical manifesto of the executive committee of the peasant Soviets. They, the Bolsheviki, dare to say that they are supported by the Soviets of peasants' deputies, and that they are speaking on behalf of the Soviets of peasants' deputies. Let all working-class Russia know that this is a lie, and that all the working peasants, in the person of, the executive committee of the all-Russian Soviets of peasants' deputies refutes with indignation all participation of the organized peasantry in this criminal violation of the will of the working classes. From the soldier section of the Socialist Revolutionary Party, the insane attempt of the Bolsheviki is on the eve of collapse. The garrison is divided, the ministries are on strike and bread is getting scarcer. All factions except the few Bolsheviki have left the Congress. The Bolsheviki are alone. We call upon all sane elements to group themselves around the Committee for Salvation of Country and Revolution, and to prepare themselves seriously to be ready at the first call of the Central Committee. In a handbill, the Council of the Republic recited its wrongs. Ceding to the force of bayonets, the Council of the Republic has been obliged to separate, and temporarily to interrupt its meetings. The usurpers, with the words liberty and socialism on their lips, have set up a rule of arbitrary violence. They have arrested the members of the provisional government, closed the newspapers, seized the printing shops. This power must be considered the enemy of the people and the revolution. It is necessary to do battle with it and to pull it down. The Council of the Republic, until the resumption of its labours, invites the citizens of the Russian Republic to group themselves around the local committees for salvation of country and revolution, which are organising the overthrow of the Bolsheviki and the creation of a government capable of leading the country to the Constituent Assembly. Dielo Naroda said, A revolution is a rising of all the people, but here what have we? Nothing but a handful of poor fools deceived by Lenin and Trotsky. Their decrees and their appeals will simply add to the Museum of Historical Curiosities. And Narodnoya Slovo, People's Word, Popular Socialist. Workers and Peasants' Government? 
that is only a pipe dream nobody either in russia or in the countries of our allies will recognize this government or even in the enemy countries the bourgeois press had temporarily disappeared pravada had an account of the first meeting of the new cheka now the parliament of the russian soviet republic milutin commissar of agriculture remarked that the peasants executive committee had called an all-russian peasant congress for december thirteenth but we cannot wait he said we must have the backing of the peasants i propose that we call the congress of peasants and do it immediately the left socialist revolutionaries agreed an appeal to the peasants of russia was hastily drafted and a committee of five elected to carry out the project the question of detailed plans for distributing the land and the question of workers control of industry were postponed until the experts working on them should submit a report three decrees see appendix seven section one were read and approved first lenin's general rules for the press ordering the suppression of all newspapers inciting to resistance and disobedience to the new government inciting to criminal acts or deliberately perverting the news the decree of moratorium for house rents and the decree establishing a workers militia also orders one giving the municipal duma the power to requisition empty apartments and houses the other directing the unloading of freight cars in the railroad terminals to hasten the distribution of necessities and to free the badly needed rolling stock two hours later the executive committee of the peasant soviets was sending broadcast over russia the following telegram the arbitrary organization of the bolsheviki which is called of peasants is inviting all the peasant soviets to send delegates to the congress at petrograd the executive committee of the soviets of peasants deputies declares that it considers now as well as before that it would be dangerous to take away from the provinces at this moment the forces necessary to prepare for elections to the constituent assembly which is the only salvation of the working class and the country we confirm the date of the congress of peasants december thirteenth at the duma always excitement officers coming and going the mayor in conference with the leaders of the committee for salvation a councillor ran in with a copy of kerensky's proclamation dropped by hundreds from an aeroplane low flying down the nevsky which threatened terrible vengeance on all who did not submit and ordered soldiers to lay down their arms and assemble immediately in mars field the minister president had taken sarskoye selo we were told and was already in the petrograd campagna five miles away he would enter the city to-morrow in a few hours the soviet troops in contact with his cossacks were said to be going over to the provisional government chernov was somewhere in between trying to organize the neutral troops into a force to halt the civil war in the city the garrison regiments were leaving the bolsheviki they said smolny was already abandoned all the governmental machinery had stopped functioning the employees of the state bank had refused to work under commissars from smolny refused to pay out money to them all the private banks were closed the ministers were on strike even now a committee from the duma was making the rounds of business houses collecting a fund to pay the salaries of the strikers trotsky had gone to the ministry of foreign affairs and ordered the clerks to translate the decree on peace into foreign languages six hundred functionaries had hurled their resignations in his face Shliapnikov, commissar of labor 
had commanded all the employees of his ministry to return to their places within twenty-four hours or lose their places and their pension rights only the door servants had responded some of the branches of the special food supply committee had suspended work rather than submit to the bolsheviki in spite of lavish promises of high wages and better conditions the operators at the telephone exchange would not connect soviet headquarters the socialist revolutionary party had voted to expel all members who had remained in the congress of soviets and all who were taking part in the insurrection news from the provinces mohilev had declared against the bolsheviki at kiev the cossacks had overthrown the soviets and arrested all the insurrectionary leaders the soviet and garrison of luga thirty thousand strong affirmed its loyalty to the provisional government and appealed to all russia to rally around it kaledin had dispersed all soviets and unions in the don basin and his forces were moving north said a representative of the railway workers yesterday we sent a telegram all over russia demanding that war between the political parties cease at once and insisting on the formation of a coalition socialist government otherwise we shall call a strike tomorrow night in the morning there will be a meeting of all factions to consider the question the bolsheviki seem anxious for an agreement if they last that long laughed the city engineer a stout ruddy man as we came up to smolny not abandoned but busier than ever throngs of workers and soldiers running in and out and doubled guards everywhere we met the reporters for the bourgeois and moderate socialist papers out cried one from volia naroda bonjbrevich came down to the press bureau and told us to leave said we were spies they all began to talk at once insult outrage freedom of the press in the lobby were great tables heaped with stacks of appeals proclamations and orders of the military revolutionary committee workmen and soldiers staggered past carrying them to waiting automobiles one began to the pillory in this tragic moment through which the russian masses are living the mensheviki and their followers and the right socialist revolutionaries have betrayed the working class they have enlisted on the side of kornilov kerensky and savinkov they are printing orders of the traitor kerensky and creating a panic in the city spreading the most ridiculous rumours of mythical victories by that renegade citizens don't believe these false rumours no power can defeat the people's revolution premier kerensky and his followers await speedy and well-deserved punishment we are putting them in the pillory we are abandoning them to the enmity of all workers soldiers sailors and peasants on whom they are trying to rivet the ancient chains they will never be able to wash from their bodies the stain of the people's hatred and contempt shame and curses to the traitors of the people the military revolutionary committee had moved into larger quarters room seventeen on the top floor red guards were at the door inside the narrow space in front of the railing was crowded with well-dressed persons outwardly respectful but inwardly full of murder bourgeois who wanted permits for their automobiles or passports to leave the city among them many foreigners bill shatoff and peters were on duty they suspended all other business to read us the latest bulletins the one hundred seventy ninth reserve regiment offers its unanimous support five thousand stevedores at the putilov wharves greet the new government 
Central Committee of the Trade Unions, enthusiastic support. The garrison and squadron at Reval elect military revolutionary committees to cooperate and dispatch troops. Military revolutionary committees control in Pskov and Minsk. Greetings from the Soviets of Tsaritsyn, Ravensky on Don, Chernogorsk, Sevastopol. The Finland Division, the new committees of the 5th and 12th Armies, offer allegiance. From Moscow the news is uncertain. Troops of the Military Revolutionary Committee occupy the strategic points of the city. Two companies on duty in the Kremlin have gone over to the Soviets, but the arsenal is in the hands of Colonel Dyatsev and his Yunkers. The Revolutionary Committee demanded arms for the workers, and Ryatsev parleyed with them until this morning, when suddenly he sent an ultimatum to the committee, ordering Soviet troops to surrender, and the committee to disband. Fighting has begun. In Petrograd the staff submitted to Smolny's commissars at once. The Centroflot, refusing, was stormed by Dibenko and a company of Kronstadt sailors, and a new Centroflot set up, supported by the Baltic and the Black Sea battleships. But beneath all the breezy assurance there was a chill premonition, a feeling of uneasiness in the air. Kerensky's Cossacks were coming fast. They had artillery. Skripnik, secretary of the factory shop committees, his face drawn and yellow, assured me that there was a whole army corps of them. But he added fiercely, They'll never take us alive. Petrovsky laughed weariedly. Tomorrow maybe we'll get a sleep, a long one. Losovsky, with his emaciated red-bearded face, said, What chance have we, all alone, a mob against trained soldiers? South and southwest the Soviets had fled before Kerensky, and the garrisons of Gatchina, Pavlovsk, Saskoye Selo were divided, half voting to remain neutral, the rest without officers, falling back on the capital in the wildest disorder. In the halls they were pasting up bulletins. From Krasnoye Selo, November 10th, 8 a.m. To be communicated to all commanders of staffs, commanders-in-chief, commanders, everywhere, and to all, all, all. The ex-minister Kerensky has sent a deliberately false telegram to everyone everywhere to the effect that the troops of revolutionary Petrograd have voluntarily surrendered their arms and joined the armies of the former government, the government of treason, and that the soldiers have been ordered by the military revolutionary committee to retreat. The troops of a free people do not retreat, nor do they surrender. Our troops have left Gatchina in order to avoid bloodshed between themselves and their mistaken brother Cossacks, and in order to take a more convenient position, which is at present so strong that if Kerensky and his companions in arms should even increase their forces ten times, still there would be no cause for anxiety. The spirit of our troops is excellent. In Petrograd all is quiet. Chief of the Defence of Petrograd and the Petrograd District Lieutenant Colonel Muravyov. As we left the Military Revolutionary Committee, Antonov entered, a paper in his hand, looking like a corpse. Send this, said he, to all district Soviets of workers' deputies and factory shop committees. The Kornilovist bands of Kerensky are threatening the approaches to the capital. All the necessary orders have been given to crush mercilessly the counter-revolutionary attempt against the people and its conquests. 
the army and the red guard of the revolution are in need of the immediate support of the workers we order the ward soviets and factory shop committees one to move out the greatest possible number of workers for the digging of trenches the erection of barricades and reinforcing of wire entanglements two wherever it shall be necessary for this purpose to stop work at the factories this shall be done immediately three all common and barbed wire available must be assembled and also all implements for the digging of trenches and the erection of barricades four all available arms must be taken five the strictest discipline is to be observed and every one must be ready to support the army of the revolution by all means chairman of the petrograd soviet of workers and soldiers deputies people's commissar leon trotsky chairman of the military revolutionary committee commander-in-chief podvoisky as we came out into the dark and gloomy day all around the grey horizon factory whistles were blowing a hoarse and nervous sound full of foreboding by tens of thousands the working people poured out men and women by tens of thousands the humming slums belched out their dun and miserable hordes red petrograd was in danger cossacks south and southwest they poured through the shabby streets towards the moskovsky gate men women and children with rifles picks spades rolls of wire cartridge belts over their working clothes such an immense spontaneous outpouring of a city never was seen they rolled along torrent-like companies of soldiers borne with them guns motor trucks wagons the revolutionary proletariat defending with its breast the capital of the workers and peasants republic before the door of smolny was an automobile a slight man with thick glasses magnifying his red-rimmed eyes his speech a painful effort stood leaning against a mudguard with his hands in the pockets of a shabby raglan a great bearded sailor with the clear eyes of youth prowled restlessly about absently toying with an enormous blue steel revolver which never left his hand these were antonov and dibenko some soldiers were trying to fasten two military bicycles on the running board the chauffeur violently protested the enamel would get scratched he said true he was a bolshevik and the automobile was commandeered from a bourgeois true the bicycles were for the use of orderlies but the chauffeur's professional pride was revolted so the bicycles were abandoned the people's commissars for war and marine were going to inspect the revolutionary front wherever that was could we go with them certainly not the automobile only held five the two commissars two orderlies and the chauffeur however a russian acquaintance of mine whom i will call trusishka calmly got in and sat down nor could any argument dislodge him i see no reason to doubt trusishka's story of the journey as they went down the suvorovsky prospect some one mentioned food they might be out three to four days in a country indifferently well provisioned they stopped the car money the commissar of war looked through his pockets he hadn't a kopeck the commissar of marine was broke so was the chauffeur trusishka bought the provisions just as they turned into the nevsky a tire blew out what shall we do asked antonov commandeer another machine suggested dubenko 
waving his revolver. Antonov stood in the middle of the street and signalled a passing machine, driven by a soldier. "'I want that machine,' said Antonov. "'You won't get it,' responded the soldier. "'Do you know who I am?' Antonov produced a paper, upon which was written that he had been appointed commander-in-chief of all the armies of the Russian Republic, and that everyone should obey him without question. "'I don't care if you're the devil himself,' said the soldier hotly. "'This machine belongs to the 1st Machine-Gun Regiment, and we're carrying ammunition in it, and you can't have it.' The difficulty, however, was solved by the appearance of an old battered taxicab flying the Italian flag. In time of trouble, private cars were registered in the name of foreign consulates, so as to be safe from requisition. From the interior of this was dislodged a fat citizen in an expensive fur coat, and the party continued on its way. Arrived at Navskaya Zastava, about ten miles out, Antonov called for the commandant of the Red Guard. He was led to the edge of the town, where some few hundred workmen had dug trenches, and were waiting for the Cossacks. "'Everything all right here, comrade?' asked Antonov. "'Everything perfect, comrade,' answered the commandant. "'The troops are in excellent spirits. Only one thing. We have no ammunition.' "'In Smolny there are two billion rounds,' Antonov told him. "'I'll give you an order.' He felt in his pockets. "'Has anyone a piece of paper?' Debenko had none nor the couriers. Trusishka had to offer his notebook. "'Devil! I have no pencil!' cried Antonov. "'Who's got a pencil?' Needless to say, Trusishka had the only pencil in the crowd. We who were left behind made for the Sarskoya Selo station. Up the Nevsky as we passed, red guards were marching, all armed, some with bayonets and some without. The early twilight of winter was falling. Heads up, they tramped in the chill mud, irregular lines of four, without music, without drums. A red flag crudely lettered in gold, peace, land, floated over them. They were very young. The expression on their faces was that of who know they are going to die. Half fearful, half contemptuous, the crowds on the sidewalk watched them pass in hateful silence. Graphic, pass to the northern front. This pass was issued upon the recommendation of Trotsky three days after the Bolshevik revolution. It gives me the right of free travel to the northern front, and an added note on the back extends the permission to all fronts. It will be noticed that it speaks of the Petersburg instead of the Petrograd Soviet. It was the fashion among thoroughgoing internationalists to abolish all names which smacked of patriotism but at the same time it would not do to restore the saint. Translation Executive Committee, Petrograd Soviet of Workers and Soldiers Deputies, Military Section, 28th October 1917, Number 1435, Certificate. The present certificate is given to the representative of the American Social Democracy, the internationalist comrade John Reed. The Military Revolutionary Committee of the Petersburg Soviet of Workers' and Soldiers' Deputies gives him the right of free travel through the entire Northern Front for the purpose of reporting to our American Comrades Internationalists concerning events in Russia, for the President, for the Secretary. At the railroad station nobody knew just where Kerensky was, or where the front lay. Trains went no further, however, than Sarskoya. 
our car was full of commuters and country people going home laden with bundles and evening papers the talk was all of the bolshevik rising outside of that however one would never have realized that civil war was rending mighty russia in two and that the train was headed into the zone of battle through the window we could see in the swiftly deepening darkness masses of soldiers going along the muddy road toward the city flinging out their arms in argument a freight train swarming with troops and lit up by huge bonfires was halted on a siding that was all back along the flat horizon the glow of the city's lights faded down the night a street car crawled distantly along a far-flung suburb tsarskoye selo station was quiet but knots of soldiers stood here and there talking in low tones and looking uneasily down the empty track in the direction of gatchina i asked some of them which side they were on well said one we don't exactly know the rights of the matter there's no doubt that kerensky is a provocator but we do not consider it right for russian men to be shooting russian men in the station commandant's office was a big jovial bearded common soldier wearing the red armband of a regimental committee our credentials from smolny commanded immediate respect he was plainly for the soviets but bewildered the red guards were here two hours ago but they went away again a commissar came this morning but he returned to petrograd when the cossacks arrived the cossacks are here then he nodded gloomily there's been a battle the cossacks came early in the morning they captured two or three hundred of our men and killed about twenty-five where are the cossacks well they didn't get this far i don't know just where they are off that way he waved his arm vaguely westward we had dinner an excellent dinner better and cheaper than could be got in petrograd in the station restaurant nearby sat a french officer who had just come on foot from gatchina all was quiet there he said kerensky held the town ah these russians he went on they are original what a civil war everything except the fighting we sallied out into the town just at the door of the station stood two soldiers with rifles and bayonets fixed they were surrounded by about a hundred businessmen government officials and students who attacked them with passionate argument and epithet the soldiers were uncomfortable and hurt like children unjustly scolded a tall young man with a supercilious expression dressed in the uniform of a student was leading the attack you realize i presume he said insolently that by taking up arms against your brothers you are making yourselves the tools of murderers and traitors now brother answered the soldier earnestly you don't understand there are two classes don't you see the proletariat and the bourgeoisie we oh i know that silly talk broke in the student rudely a bunch of ignorant peasants like you hear somebody bawling a few catchwords you don't understand what they mean you just echo them like a lot of parrots the crowd laughed i'm a marxian student and i tell you that this isn't socialism you're fighting for it's just plain pro-german anarchy oh yes i know answered the soldier with sweat dripping from his brow you're an educated man that's easy to see and i'm only a simple man but it seems to me i suppose interrupted the other contemptuously that you believe lenin is a real friend of the proletariat yes i do answered the soldier suffering well my friend do you know that lenin was sent through germany in a closed car do you know that lenin took money from the germans well i don't know much about that 
answered the soldier stubbornly but it seems to me that what he says is what i want to hear and all the simple men like me now there are two classes the bourgeoisie and the proletariat you're a fool why my friend i spent two years in schlusselburg for revolutionary activity when you were still shooting down revolutionists and singing god save the tsar my name is vasily georgevich panyin didn't you ever hear of me i'm sorry to say i never did answered the soldier with humility but then i'm not an educated man you are probably a great hero i am said the student with conviction and i'm opposed to the bolsheviki who are destroying our russia our free revolution now how do you account for that the soldier scratched his head i can't account for it at all he said grimacing with the pain of his intellectual processes to me it seems perfectly simple but then i am not well educated it seems like there are only two classes the proletariat and the bourgeoisie there you go again with your silly formula cried the student only two classes went on the soldier doggedly and whoever isn't on one side is on the other we wandered on up the street where the lights were few and far between and where people rarely passed a threatening silence hung over the place as of a sort of purgatory between heaven and hell a political no-man's land only the barber shops were all brilliantly lighted and crowded and a line formed at the doors of the public bath for it was saturday night when all russia bathes and perfumes itself i haven't the slightest doubt that soviet troops and cossacks mingled in the places where these ceremonies were performed the nearer we came to the imperial park the more deserted were the streets a frightened priest pointed out the headquarters of the soviets and hurried on it was in the wing of one of the grand ducal palaces fronting the park the windows were dark the door locked a soldier lounging about with his hands in the top of his trousers looked us up and down with gloomy suspicion the soviet went away two days ago said he where a shrug Nyeznayo. i don't know a little further along was a large building brightly illuminated from within came a sound of hammering while we were hesitating a soldier and a sailor came down the street hand in hand i showed them my pass from smolny are you for the soviets i asked they did not answer but looked at each other in a frightened way what's going on in there asked the sailor pointing to the building i don't know timidly the soldier put out his hand and opened the door a crack inside a great hall hung with bunting and evergreens rows of chairs a stage being built a stout woman with a hammer in her hand and a mouth full of tacks came out what do you want she asked is there a performance tonight said the sailor nervously there will be private theatricals sunday night she answered severely go away we tried to engage the soldier and sailor in conversation but they seemed frightened and unhappy and drew off into the darkness we strolled toward the imperial palaces along the edge of the vast dark gardens their fantastic pavilions and ornamental bridges looming uncertainly in the night and soft water splashing from the fountains at one place where a ridiculous iron swan spat unceasingly from an artificial grotto we were suddenly aware of observation and looked up to encounter the sullen suspicious gaze of half a dozen gigantic armed soldiers who stared moodily down from a grassy terrace i climbed up to them who are you i asked we're the guard answered one they all looked very depressed 
as undoubtedly they were from weeks and weeks of all day all night argument and debate are you kerensky's troops or the soviets there was silence for a moment as they looked uneasily at each other then we are neutral said he we went on through the arch of the huge ekaterina palace into the palace enclosure itself asking for headquarters a sentry outside a door in a curving white wing of the palace said that the commandant was inside in a graceful white georgian room divided into unequal parts by a two-sided fireplace a group of officers stood anxiously talking they were pale and distracted and evidently hadn't slept to one an oldish man with a white beard his uniform studded with decorations who was pointed out as the colonel we showed our bolshevik papers he seemed surprised how did you get it without being killed he asked politely it is very dangerous in the streets just now political passion is running very high in sarskoye selo there was a battle this morning and there'll be another tomorrow morning kerensky is to enter the town at eight o'clock where are the cossacks about a mile over that way he waved his arm and you will defend the city against them oh dear no he smiled we are holding the city for kerensky our hearts sank for our passes stated that we were revolutionary to the core the colonel cleared his throat about those passes of yours he went on your lives will be in danger if you're captured therefore if you want to see the battle i'll give you an order for rooms in the officers hotel and if you'll come back here at seven o'clock in the morning i'll give you new passes so you're for kerensky we said well not exactly for kerensky the colonel hesitated you see most of the soldiers in the garrison are bolsheviki and today after the battle they all went away in the direction of petrograd taking the artillery with them you might say that none of the soldiers are for kerensky but some of them just don't want to fight at all the officers have almost all gone over to kerensky's forces are simply gone away we are <clears throat> in a most difficult position as you see we did not believe there would be any battle the colonel courteously sent his orderly to escort us to the railroad station he was from the south born of french immigrant parents in bessarabia ah he kept saying it is not the danger of the hardships i mind but being so long three years away from my mother looking out of the window of the train as we sped through the cold dark toward petrograd i caught glimpses of clumps of soldiers gesticulating in the light of fires and of clusters of armoured cars halted together at crossroads the chauffeurs hanging out of the turrets and shouting to each other all the troubled night over the bleak flats leaderless bands of soldiers and red guards wandered clashing and confused and the commissars of the military revolutionary committee hurried from one group to another trying to organize a defence back in town excited throngs were moving in tides up and down the nevsky something was in the air from the warsaw railway station could be heard far-off cannonade in the yunker schools there was feverish activity duma members went from barracks to barracks arguing and pleading narrating fearful stories of bolshevik violence massacre of the yunkers in the winter palace rape of the women soldiers the shooting of the girl before the duma the murder of prince tumanov in the alexander hall of the duma building the committee for salvation was in special session commissars came and went running all the journalists expelled from smolny were there in high spirits 
they did not believe our report of conditions in Sarskoye. Why, everybody knew that Sarskoye was in Kerensky's hands, and that the Cossacks were now at Pulkovo. A committee was being elected to meet Kerensky at the railway station in the morning. One confided to me in strictest secrecy that the counter-revolution would begin at midnight. He showed me two proclamations, one signed by Gotz and Polkovnikov, ordering the Yonker schools, soldier convalescents in the hospitals, and the Knights of St. George to mobilise on a war footing and wait for orders from the Committee for Salvation. The other from the Committee of Salvation itself, which read as follows. To the population of Petrograd, comrades, workers, soldiers and citizens of revolutionary Petrograd, the Bolsheviki, while appealing for peace at the front, are inciting to civil war in the rear. Do not dig their provocatory appeals. Do not dig trenches. Down with the traitorous barricades. Lay down your arms. Soldiers, return to your barracks. The war begun in Petrograd is the death of the revolution. In the name of liberty, land and peace, unite around the Committee for Salvation of Country and Revolution. As we left the Duma, a company of Red Guards, stern-faced and desperate, came marching down the dark deserted street with a dozen prisoners, members of the local branch of the Council of Cossacks, caught red-handed, plotting counter-revolution in their headquarters. A soldier, accompanied by a small boy with a pail of paste, was sticking up great flaring notices. By virtue of the present, the city of Petrograd and its suburbs are declared in a state of siege. All assemblies or meetings in the streets, and generally in the open air, are forbidden until further orders. N. Podvoisky, President of the Military Revolutionary Committee. As we went home, the air was full of confused sound, automobile horns, shouts, distant shots. The city stirred uneasily, wakeful. In the small hours of the morning, a company of Yunkers, disguised as soldiers of the Semyonovsky Regiment, presented themselves at the telephone exchange, just before the hour of changing guard. They had the Bolshevik password, and took charge without arousing suspicion. A few minutes later Antonov appeared, making a round of inspection. Him they captured and locked in a small room. When the relief came, it was met by a blast of rifle fire, several being killed. Counter-revolution had begun. End of chapter 7